So last night I had a chance to officiate a wedding, which was a blast, and, and then when the reception was going on, I was asked by somebody, hey Mike, are you going to preach about marriage tomorrow? And I said, well, I don't know how I feel about that since the topic we're talking about is burdens. I don't know if that's the greatest idea, you know. And I, yeah, it's a burden. It's a responsibility we bear. It's a, it's a good burden to bear. But that's not the, quite the direction we're going. Um, a burden is just a weight or a load. That's the simplest way to look at what a burden is. And when I first found out that I was up this week to, to teach on this verse that Paul wrote, I sometimes just let my brain go to wherever it first lands. And sometimes that's really fun, and sometimes it's absolutely mortifying. And this particular time, it was a fun memory. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad would just tell me stories. I just loved asking stories. And he told me this story about when he got out of high school. I don't even think he and mom were married, so this is probably 1980, 81, somewhere in the early 80s. And he would take you know, odd jobs to make a little bit of money. And so he took this one particular job, and it was cleaning out and organizing this warehouse. And so he's there, and he's cleaning out this warehouse, and this just happens to be full of caskets. All right, so you're immediately, some of you are like going, I would not have taken that job. That is horrifying. But he's sorting this, and it's going pretty well. And at this one place, he needs to pick up a casket and put it on this little cart or something and move it to another part of the room. Pretty simple. So he picks up the casket, and he has it in all 20 years old of his body, whatever he was. And when he does it, he bumps the cart, and the cart goes scooting across the floor, which you think, oh, it's simple. Just go find the cart. Well, the problem is he's holding a casket. So you can't see. So he's like straggling around this warehouse trying to find this cart. And you think, well, just put it down. No big deal, right? Well, this was a plush lined casket on the outside. It had velvet or something lovely. So if he does that, then he could potentially get it dirty and ruin it. And he's on the hook for hundreds or thousands of dollars. So he can't do that. So he just straggles around with this burden of this casket. And he finally, somehow with his foot or something, finds the cart. You can ask him the story after the service if you want for the specific details. But he eventually got it back down. He didn't have to pay for the casket. And his burden was done. He was, he was finished with it. And I just remember hearing that story as a little kid. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's no wonder they have six people at funerals that carry those things. Those things must be massive. And I'm picturing my dad just wielding this casket. It, it, it was quite a burden, and that, that stuck with me as a little kid. When we talk a little more broadly about burdens, uh, not just carrying caskets around big warehouses, you know, burdens, they can be good or they can be bad. You know, they can be voluntary, ones that we choose to take on. Uh, they can be involuntary, ones that are heaped on us and we had no say and whether it was coming on us or not. It, and, you know, it can be something that breaks you, or it could be something that actually makes you stronger. You know, there are some good ones. You know, Jesus gives us a burden, this mission that we go out and share the good news. That, that's a good burden. You know, some of you are caring for an elderly relative, and it's really hard, but, but it's good. You're getting to give back to them and love them, then maybe they invested in you through your life. But there's bad ones. There's sickness. There's relationships that get broken up. Now, burdens, they're a fact of life. It's not if you face a burden. It's, well, when am I going to bear a burden? And, well, when I do, which one am I going to be bearing? And oh, how am I going to deal with it? And maybe most importantly, in some cases, who's going to be bearing the burden with you? Who is going to bear the burden with you? Because that last point, who is bearing the burden with us, that's what we're talking about today, because that's what Paul's starting to get at at this point of the letter of Galatians. And uh, for those of you who are, are a note taker, I mean, I would just challenge you to just scribble this down. I, when I kind of read through this verse and sat in it, what, what I came away with was this one thought that kind of drifted above the rest, and that's 
when you follow Jesus, when we follow Jesus, our burden involves lightening others' burdens. That's a lot of what it comes down to, that when you follow Jesus, you say, I am a disciple, I'm after him, I'm doing life his way. So much of our burden is lightening the burdens of others. And so I'm going to pray that as we dive into these verses, that um, the Holy Spirit, that God just speaks really specifically, really clearly to us, because I know we all came in with a different burden, all came in at a different place, and that he meets us wherever we are. So let's just ask him to do that. Jesus, um, gosh, I thank you for today. I thank you for this season. I, I know on one hand, Lord, that the holidays are a season where um, some burdens feel heavier to us. I also know it, it's a season where you've kind of wired some joy into it um, because we know that this is where a really, really big part of your rescue plan for the world happened. Uh, this is where you showed up in human form, and we're going to celebrate that in like 10 days, God. But right now, sitting on this side of Christmas with some time still left, Father, will you just show us the burdens that we're carrying? Let us see them for what they are. Let us see them for, for how you want us to deal with them, the wisdom that you would give us, and, and also who you would have us bear those with. God, I, I pray that even the people sitting around us and our friends and family, will you give us direction about their burdens because we're going to be coming next to them as well. And uh, just teach us. Let us walk out of this room. This is different people than we came in. In your name we pray uh, just all together. Amen. Well, you can flip to Galatians 6. This is going to be the first couple verses. Uh, you can go hard copy, tablet. If you're on your phone and you want to do the Version app, uh, open that up, click the three little dots at the bottom, and you can do a search for Shelbyville Community Church, and all the verses will just load there. Kind of convenient. So you can do that. In this letter that Paul's been writing, he wrote it to churches in a region. It wasn't a specific city. It was a region called Galatia. And we've been putting this map up once in a while. So here it is. Got to have my map every time, you know. So this is a modern day Turkey. And most of these churches, we believe, are in the southern part. So towns like you know, Derby, Lystra. Uh, and so he's writing this letter. And the reason he wrote this letter, there's usually a reason that you have for writing to somebody. He's a really, really deeply grieved, bothered, and kind of upset dude because he went and he helped plant some of these churches. He was a missionary. He'd go start churches, and then he'd move on. He'd start another church, and he'd start another church. And he tried to keep tabs on, well, how are the churches doing? He loved these people. They're his spiritual kids, his brothers and sisters. So he wanted to know that they were doing well, and he gets a bad report. He hears that there's this really big problem, and he's not going to hold back. He's like, gosh, i got to speak truth and love to these people. And, and this stuck with me last week. You know, Brad said something that I'd never heard it put this way. But when we talk about needing to speak in truth and in love, he, he said this, he said, truth without love is an attack. And if you have love without truth, that's a crisis. You know, so Paul's not going to go either way. He's not just going to attack them, but he's not going to not tell them the truth so that they stay in the crisis they're in. He's bringing the truth in love, and he wants them to get back to what they were supposed to be doing, which is he wants them to live free. He wants them to see, you know what, that gospel, that good news about Jesus it's legit. You can take that all the way to the bank. You can live in a way that the rest of the world doesn't live. And what Jesus did was enough. When he said, hey, here's the deal. You don't have to live by the old law anymore. You just, you do these two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. If you get that, that's your new law. Those are your marching orders. Go live free. Well, they've gotten away from that. 
They don't think Jesus is enough. And he's going, oh, I got to set this straight. And so he spends so much of this letter just rebuking them and correcting them, rebuking them, correcting them. They're probably standing up there reading this letter to the churches and the people are sitting there like, oh, and they're just feeling that conviction and oh, dang it. But then the letter takes a little bit of a turn starting in about chapter five. And we get to chapter six and Paul's just saying, hey, here's the deal. You got to keep in step with the spirit because if you follow Jesus, the spirit lives inside of you. He is guiding you. He will convict you. He'll give you the wisdom. And if you just keep giving him the reins and surrendering, you're going to live free. That's what this is about. And so Paul is describing, as we go through these verses the next few weeks, well, what's it mean to keep in step with the Spirit and live by the Spirit? And so let's read this verse again here. I'll read us through it. Galatians 6, verse 1. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, and bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Brad covered verse 1 last week, and then we're adding this second verse. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So in Paul's day, you talk about burdens. Um, a lot of times they were pretty involuntary, not necessarily chosen. If you were a soldier, you were just required to carry certain burdens and carry out certain responsibilities. If you were a slave, it wasn't just a requirement, it was pretty much a demand. You make it happen, you make it happen as soon as you can. <laughs> you, you go do that. And Paul kind of flips this around, though. He says, hey... You need to do this freely. You need to do this freely. Loving your neighbor as yourself means you go and you bear each other's burdens. He just told him in the previous verse that you might need to restore somebody in a spirit of gentleness. You think that's not a burden? Like, oh, I don't want to have to go restore them. They should see that themselves. Why, why don't they see that? Well, no, part of the way God shows them that is using other people around us. So he, 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 t he says, hey, I want you to do this freely. I want you to choose to do this, not just because you have to. And it's cool to think about how this would have started shaking stuff up, because several weeks ago we talked about how the world at that time, just like parts of our world today, there were a lot of barriers that were up. There were cultural barriers that divided people from each other. There were class barriers that divided people a lot. There were gender barriers that are far worse than even what we see today in our culture, though they're still there. And when Paul's saying, I want you to bear each other's burdens, and I want you to start inside the church, there's all different people in the church. There's people from different cultural backgrounds. There's people that, both genders, there are people, some are Jewish, some are Gentile, some are upper class, some are lowly peasants. So can you imagine when he says, bear it freely, when a master starts carrying a slave's burden? Who, who does that? Or oh, this, this Jew is going to go help his Gentile brother out? Or, or a wealthy person, they're going to help pay a peasant's debt, that stuff starts happening, it literally takes culture and starts flipping it upside down. So Paul's going, man, if you go and you bear these burdens and you really do it well, you're going to be united and people are going to start to get the message. And people are going to go, what is so different about that church in Galatia? Those churches over there, there's something different. I'm intrigued. Who is this Jesus? So he knows if, he, if, if they start living in the spirit, folks can't miss it. They're going to see this. And so when it comes to burdens, we came in here with a lot of different ones today. There's a lot of different opinions about how you should handle them, and it can be a little bit confusing. You know, some of y'all came in today, and you've had a burden that's been with you for most of your life. Some of you had one that came onto you yesterday. Uh, some of us, we chose our burdens, some we didn't. Like we said, some are good, some are bad, and, and 
to bear a burden, you have to be on the same page as another person. Uh, I had an experience when I first moved back to Shelbyville. This was um, this past year, 2018. And in the summer, I was working part-time here at the church, and I got to work at Builders in the yard here in town. And it was a good job. I was working with some good people. Uh, Gabe Ross taught me pretty much everything I knew out there about what was where and how to do what. And this one day, a customer comes through. He's an elderly gentleman. And he said, hey, I need a couple sheets of drywall, the five-eighths. And it's pretty thick drywall. I said, all right, cool. So he drives his truck around, and I walk back there. And we get ready to do it. And this drywall comes in sheets of two, and it's kind of papered together. And a lot of times, it's maybe a good idea to go ahead and you know, cut the paper and just do one sheet at a time, because it's heavy stuff. And so you know, I, I look at the guy, and not wanting to insult him and make him think he, you know, he's weak or something, I said, hey, do you want to do both? Do you want me to cut them apart? He said, ah, we can just do both. That's no problem. I said, OK. So he gets on one side, I get on the other. And we start going, and the first five feet, I'm like, all right, we've got a chance. We've got a chance. The next five feet, I was like, hmm, I think our chances are waning. The next five feet, I'm watching this dude's face turn red. I'm watching the sweat, and I'm watching his arms shake. And I'm thinking, in about five minutes, if something doesn't change, I'm going to be walking into Brian Baker's office, and I'm going to be going, I just killed a man. This is bad. Like, there, there's like a homicide out there, an unintentional one, but like, I'm about to bring this dude's demise, and I'm, I'm horrified. And somehow, some way, he like banked it on his legs and I like shimmied around the side of it and we heaved it onto his truck and we just stood back there by the tailgate like this just heaving and he said I don't think I don't think I want to do that again and I said I know I'm not doing that again <laughs> and it, it was I felt kind of ridiculous at the end because all I had to do was walk from that building just the little 60 second walk up to the front gate and say, hey, Fred, or hey, Steve, or hey, Gabe, or hey, Bill, whoever was up there, and say, can you come help me load this? We would have done it. There would have been no story. But because I went into that, not getting the help to bear the burden I needed, I paid a price. You know, I, I learned my lesson the hard way. And some of you have done the same. You, you've gone way too long not bringing someone into the picture when you should have. And you're going, I don't want to do that again. So what do we do? when we have life burdens that are bigger and heavier and, and messier than drywall. Well, what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're just going to kind of get a starting place. We're going to get a feel for, okay, well, Jesus, what did Jesus say about this? We saw what Paul said. How do we get started? If we're going to do this well, we're going to bear each other's burdens, what are the ground rules? So, first of all, we're going to start with this. Jesus said there is a burden that is the best burden. It's not an easy one, but it's a good one. And it's his burden of the mission he gives us. In Matthew 11, he talked about this. You know, he, he just threw it out there. He said, hey, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Entering this fall, Brad and I challenged everybody to look. Well, what is a disciple? What are the three parts that if you follow Jesus and you're a disciple, what is it? We said it's three things. You're following Jesus, you're being changed by Jesus, and you're on mission for Jesus. So it's this big part of who we are when we go and, and we're spreading this good news and getting it out there, you know, and that's awesome. But it, it's challenging. Some of y'all are on a spot, you've tried to do that at your workplace or done that with your family and you've hit walls. Others of you, you're like, oh, it wasn't so bad. The last guy I told, he, he came to church. It, it was fine. But, okay. So when we have this burden, whether it's that or something else, what do we do? This is what I've found. 
Most people go one of two ways. Some people juke this way, and they say, oh, well, you just go to God. Just always go to God with your burdens. That's, that's good. Yeah, you need to talk to God. You need to be praying to God. And some other people would say, well, no, you need to go and um, have others help that bear your burdens. You just go to other people. They juke this way. You know? And what I love is the more I study in the Bible, man, the Jewish people, they had this thing called block logic. It was where when you ask a question, well, is it God? Do you go to God or do you go to others? And they'd say, yes. You know, they didn't have to, they, like, there's no tension there. You go to God with others. That is how you do this. And that's what Jesus would say. So there's a burden that's best, Jesus' burden. And the truth is God wants our burdens. It, it doesn't feel that way sometimes. We feel like we're inconveniencing God. He literally wants them. Peter talked about this, one of the disciples. This is in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. He said, hey, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we're called to take our anxieties, our burden to him, voice them, ask for help. And sometimes he's going to take them away. Maybe he'll lift them. But sometimes he's going to just help us bear up under it. You know, with Paul, he wrote this letter, and in another letter to the Corinthians, he talked about how he had this thorn in his side. He never told us what the thorn was, but it was apparently this burden that he just kept bearing it and bearing it, and he kept saying, God, take it away, take it away, and God didn't. And so Paul essentially said, well, if you're not going to take it away and it's not going to break me, use it for good. Use it to make me look more like you, Jesus. You know, and when I think about that kind of burden, there was a story that was told about my great-grandma. She, uh, she died about eight years before I was born. I never met her. Uh, she was my Grandpa Jim's mom. And she was a woman, he, she was just known for being a woman of prayer. She just prayed faithfully uh, for her own life and her husband, their kids, grandkids. She was a woman that she just believed in taking it to the feet of Jesus. And, and I, I can remember uh, a story in the summer of 1934. She was pregnant with my grandpa and this is in southern Indiana, uh, down in, I believe it was Floyd County or Harrison County, and they're living there, and it was the hottest summer on record in I don't know how many decades. So I think there was like an average temperature of 107 one week, and so here she is, like eight plus months pregnant, and she has no air conditioning. They just have pump water, and she just has a shade tree. So you got this super pregnant woman who's just going under the shade tree, and she's just praying. She's pouring out to God, because what else could you do at that time? You, you didn't have anything else. And she would just pray, and she'd just pour it out. And she was a woman who believed God wants to know when this burden's on me. And, and she just took it to him. No problems asked. She'd lay it at his feet. And I, I've always kept it on my mind, this woman I never met, but I have that heritage in me that, you know, I should want to take my burdens to God because he wants my burdens laid at his feet. And Jesus modeled this. This is what's so, so cool. Matthew 26, verse 37, he said, this is, they just had the last supper, right? He knows he's going to die. He's probably inside freaking out a little bit. He knows he's going to follow through, but he's thinking, oh, this is going to cost me so much. This is going to hurt so bad. So they sing this song, and they walk out into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he just basically says, hey, I, I need you guys with me. This was his exact words. Taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled, and he said to them, my soul's very sorrowful, even to death. It's pretty extreme. Remain here and watch with me. So he, he looks at the disciples. He's like, I, here's the deal. I, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to do this. I know I need to, and I need you to go with me. 
says, stay up with me. And of course, he comes back later and they're sleeping. He's like, guys, come on. I need you with me. He goes back later, comes back, they're sleeping again. And I always wondered, on the other side of the cross, when Jesus came back from the grave, did he ever just rib them about that, just lovingly? Like, hey guys, remember when you fell asleep on me when I was getting ready to die? <laughs> Good story, you know? Because I, I would have been very tempted to do that if I was Jesus. But he modeled, he was God himself in a body. And he went to his father and he laid him at the feet. So there's a burden that's best. It's Jesus' burden. God wants our burdens and Jesus models it. And, you know, I, I grapple with this because the burden that I deal with, one of them I talked about a little bit, is, is anxiety. And it's ebbed and flowed throughout my life. I didn't really understand it for a lot of years. And there are weeks where my meds really help out, uh, weeks where I'm sleeping okay and my diet's good, I have good rhythms. And I'm like, you know, this is good, I can do this. And then all of a sudden, it's like I just hit a wall and it just strikes me. And so one day, this is several months ago, I was here at the church and I was in my office, I was feeling anxious and I'm like, I'm just gonna take a walk. And so I was walking. Um, I was kind of inspired by Heather. Heather, you know, she's very pregnant. She's always taking these walks. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. So I'm taking these walks, and I end up in the theater room, and it just hits. I have this massive panic attack. And so I end up, like, laying on the booth in the little cafe over there in the fetal position, just freaking out. And I had my phone with me. I'm like, I got to tell somebody I'm struggling. So I called Sarah, my wife. And she and the kids are at Walmart or something. She's like, well, I'm going to come by. I was like, okay, good. So within like 10 minutes, she shows up and she comes in here and she says, are you okay? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Well, do you know what triggered it? My, I don't know. I can't think straight. I don't know anything. And she said, well, she said, uh, you know, Brandon and Celie are out there talking. I'm going to go get them. And I said, oh, okay. So they come back and they just get over me and they, and they just pray and they just start praying and I was in a state of mind I, I couldn't pray I could hardly formulate a sentence without stammering and I'm mean, just in this panic attack and they just start praying and I was just amazed at they God was giving them cues about what I was dealing with what I was being attacked by how the enemy was coming at me what was going on how I needed to be encouraged and eventually when the time came I finally came out of that and when I look back I'm like if I wouldn't have reached out to my wife and she wouldn't have reached out to our friends, I could have been in that moment for two or three hours more. I don't know. But in that moment, they met me and they, they took those burdens with me. Because I didn't know what to do with them. There's a story in the Bible. That it's, it's really kind of one of my favorites. I remember reading this as a kid and thinking, man, this is so cool. I wish I could do this. And it was super early in Jesus' ministry. This is in Mark chapter 2. And he's at Peter's house, and people are just coming to him, and he's just ministering. He's praying for people, healing people, telling them about what God's going to do. It's awesome. And the house is packed. You can't even get inside. And these four guys show up, and they've got a friend who's paralyzed, and he's on this mat. And they decide, well, we're going to do whatever it takes. He's got to be at Jesus' feet, and we're going to get him there. We don't really care that it's packed out and there's the crowd. We are going to find a way. So this is what it says. I'll start reading through this. Verse 1, Mark 2. It says, Well, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, Jesus said it. And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, 
And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So you imagine this scene. So now houses back in that day, a lot of times they had like a stairway that went up on top of them. So they're like, all right, we can't get in through the door or the window. We'll walk him up the stairs. So they walk him up there, they go, and they're like, all right, we're going to dig through the roof. And I'm wondering, well, what's going on? Because if this is Peter's house and they're digging down through the roof and there's like chunks of mud and debris falling, are they calling up like, stop, don't do that? Is Peter like rushing out of the house up the stairs? It had to be chaos, but, but they don't really care. They're going, our friend needs Jesus. He can't get there himself. We're going to get him there. So they lower him down. And what does Jesus say? Son, your sins are forgiven. I would have probably been tempted in that moment to say, Jesus, that's really sweet. That's really awesome. But my friend cannot use any of his four limbs. And that's the real reason we're here. And, and people are skeptical. You look at what they said in verse 6. Some of the scribes, the religious experts, are sitting there and they're questioning What's this man speak like that? He's, he's, a, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And it says immediately Jesus, he, he knows what's going on. It says he perceived in his spirit that they were questioning within themselves. And he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? What's easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Fair enough. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, if I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home, that's what I say to you. And he rose and he immediately picked up his bed and he went out before them all so that they were all amazed and they all glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. I have a lot of respect for those four men. We, we don't know their names. We don't know the name of the guy who had the issue. We don't know a, an awful lot, but we know something. They had faith. They knew that their friend had a burden and the only place it needed to go was Jesus' feet. I, I really wish we knew, did, did their friend have faith? Maybe he did or didn't. You know, had he been that way his whole life? Was it recent? Was it a bad decision that got him paralyzed? Or did he have no choice in it? Had he just been sick? Like, what's going on? But we do know this. You know, they had the courage and the determination. When we talk about encouraging, it's when you go and you give your courage to somebody else. Well, their, their buddy probably didn't have any of that. They gave that to him. You talk about empowering somebody, you take the power and the volition and the ability God gave you and you give it to somebody else. They gave that to him and they took him straight to Jesus' feet. The only place he could go and have that burden lifted. And in that case, he lifted the burden. When you follow Jesus, your burden involves lightening the burdens of others. That's what they I can, uh, I can remember this story. There was a guy named George Mueller, and he ran an orphanage. This was in Great Britain. This is like the 1800s. And he, he ran this orphanage, and back in that day, just like today, a lot of organizations struggle for funding. Well, they were really struggling, and they got to the point one night the cook came to him and said, here's the deal. Uh, we don't have any food. Like, there's not even the peelings from the potatoes. I, I boiled those up, we ate those. There is no food, and it's time for supper. He said, that's okay. Have the kids come in and, and sit down like we normally would. So they do. They sit down at the table or whatever. And he says, hey, we are going to ask God 
to provide for our needs. And they just start praying, and they just took it to God. You know, and they thanked him for what they had. They asked him for what they didn't have. And shortly after they concluded this prayer, crazy stuff started to happen. Like they got a knock at the door, and there was a bakery that had had bread that they didn't sell, and it was going to go to waste. says, hey, could you use this bread? They're like, we could definitely use that bread. They brought it in, and the next thing you know, there was a, a cart of some sort or a wagon that had had an issue with the wheel, and it was a milk cart. And someone came knocking and said, hey, we've got all this milk. It can't go out on the delivery route now. It's going to go spoiled. Can you use this milk? I'm like, sure, we can use that milk. And those kids, they had, they had supper. God met them. There. He lifted this burden, and it was just known that George Miller was this man of prayer. And all these kids looking at him, not knowing where the next meal came from, so we're laying it at the feet of Jesus. And whatever happens, we did the right thing. We took that burden where it needed to go. So, so these are, this is what we face with burdens. I, I wish we could cover them all, but when you take 300 people in this room and multiple ones that we're all dealing with that are all different, we'd, we'd be literally talking about thousands of them. And so we've kind of looked at, well, what, is, what do they say about it? You know, some burdens are given by God. He wants us to bring them to him. He doesn't want us to come by ourselves. So what do we do with that? Well, this is the point where um, I think the Holy Spirit can say whatever he wants to each of you where you sit. Well, I'm going to throw out some suggestions that maybe would help prompt and help you, you know, ground yourselves. And okay, this is what I think God's telling me to do as you're praying. So some of you, you've gone to God. You've been faithful. You've prayed to him, and it's awesome. Well done but maybe you've kind of left other people out of the equation. You haven't let them into your struggle. And God's saying, hey, you know what? I'm glad you came to me, but I created you and I created them to bear each other's burdens and I'm going to use them. You need to usher them in. You need to invite them in. So some of y'all, that's where you're at. You need to do that. And I encourage you, ask him, how do I do that? There's a second group of you that I think you probably, maybe you juke the other direction. I've been guilty of this in seasons of my life where You've gone to other people. You've told them. You really haven't gone to Jesus' feet. You've just kind of taken it to other people. So you only got partway there. And I think God's saying, hey, that burden belongs at my feet. Whether I lift it or whether I help you bear it, it goes at my feet. And you need to say to those friends or say to other people, say, hey, you know what? I've left God out of this equation. But it comes down to him. I don't want this to break me. I want this to shape me. And we're going to take this to Jesus. And you need to welcome God into that. So maybe you're there. And there might be a third spot you're at. I'm not sure. But some of you, maybe as you're praying, this isn't even going to be about you. There's going to be a name that the Holy Spirit says to you in this time. And they puts it there, and you're going to go, oh, okay. And you just need to go to them. You need to say, hey, uh, God put you on my heart. What's going on? And they're going to share a burden with you. And it's going to be your responsibility to bear that burden with them and go to Jesus' feet. So wherever you are, is it that you need to bring others in? Is it need you, that you need to invite God in as you take it to his feet? Or maybe you go walk with somebody else. If you're in one of those three places, I encourage you, sit in that. The next few minutes, just sit and just be talking to God in your head. To kind of close out, you know, sometimes it helps if we just have a picture that sticks with us. For me, when I think about what it looks like to have friendship within the church, to be saying, you know what? If our burden involves lightening the burdens of others, what does that look like? For the past 16 years, there's a picture that has stayed with me. It's from Lord of the Rings. 
It's from Return of the King, uh, the third part of the original trilogy. Some would say the only trilogy, but uh, that's neither here nor there. And everybody's favorite hobbits, Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, they're a long ways from their home in the Shire. And they had set out on this journey where Frodo has to destroy this ring in the fires of Mount Doom. And they've almost made it until they get on the slope of Mount Doom and Frodo is spent. He can't take another step. He's almost delirious and just, he's so exhausted. And Sam is on the ground with him just thinking, what do I do? What do I say? And he, 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 he steps up to the plate and I'm, I'm really impressed with how he handles this. I don't think I could have done this human or hobbit, I don't think I could have. But check out what he does. If you've never seen this or if you have, it's a great reminder. Watch this screen. I think it's pretty awesome that thousands of years of human history and one of the most powerful examples of friendship and bearing another person's burden is from a fuzzy-footed little creature in a make-believe land that was conjured up in the mind of J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, our burdens involve lightening others' burdens. Sometimes our friends need us to carry them to the feet of Jesus because we can't do it ourselves. So wherever you are as the worship team's coming up and you're responding to God and you're giving your tithes and your offerings, for some of you, you just need prayer because you're going, I've got burdens. I don't even know where to start with these. You're like me in the fetal position on that booth a couple months ago, a few months ago. You know, and we want to pray with you. You know, come up here to the front with the worship team or to the prayer room. And I just encourage you, don't seek to bear this burden alone. Don't, don't bear it alone. That's not what God wants. He wants you to live free. And living free means that a big part of your burden and everyone sitting in this room is your burden is not just yours, it's ours. And it needs to end up at his feet. So Jesus... Will you give us comfort where we need comfort? Will you give us conviction where we need conviction? Will you empower and encourage us that wherever we sit, if it's needing to go to you with others, great. And if it's, um, if it's needing to go to somebody else and just ask them, where are you at? How can I walk with you and bear this burden and end up at Jesus' feet? God, guide us, direct us, Holy Spirit. Will you just very specifically lead us in this time as we sing to you one last song and we sit here? Um, will you let this be a sweet time where it's so obvious that you love us, where it's so obvious that when we do this, we're living free. We're living the way that you call us to live. Will you let us know that? We love you, Jesus. And as we sing to you, we just say together, amen, let it be, let it be.